Hey, it's Callie, and you're listening to the 34th episode of the Hippie Haven podcast. If you're new here, I release an episode every Wednesday related to living an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle. Previously, we've covered topics like how to go zero waste, environmental activism, preventing food waste, secondhand shopping, starting an eco-business, and so much more. My goal is to empower you to take action, both in your day-to-day routine and on a larger scale of community activism, because I believe that together, we will make a difference in saving the planet. If you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you automatically get each new episode right when it comes out. Today's guest is Corrine Hellyer, a resident of Surfside Beach, South Carolina, where she and fellow citizens were successful in getting their city council to ban plastic bags. She's sharing how they made that happen, what hurdles they had to overcome, and how you can do the same in your town. You can find the show notes and transcript for this episode on my website, ahippieinavan.com forward slash 034. This episode is made possible by Plain Products, makers of refillable personal care products. You might have heard me chatting with their co-founder, Lindsay, on the podcast last month, as she shared how she and her sister started Plain Products and all the incredible work they've done so far. Plain Products is certified vegan and cruelty-free by PETA and Leaping Bunny. They're a member of 1% for the Planet, and they're a certified B Corporation. What I love the most about Plain Products is that they take responsibility for their packaging with a mailback system to reuse and refill their aluminum containers. You can save 20% off your first order on plainproducts.com with code HIPPIEHAVEN. As always, thank you for supporting our podcast partners and helping me keep the mic on. Now for today's episode. So where did the idea come from to get plastic bags banned in your town? Uh, it's, it's a funny story. Uh, my mother worked for EPA for 36 years. She just retired this year. And two years ago, I went back to school and I was studying public health. I have a love and passion for clean water. Uh, and I was coming up to the end of my studies. I did a lot of focus in sustainability in, re- in regards to clean water and realized that one of the biggest threats to clean water is plastic pollution. So in learning more about plastics, I got involved with a local organization called the Chirping Bird Society. They chirp cheap and chitter about plastic litter. Uh, it's, a, it's a group of older ladies, mostly uh, retired, age and older. They do a lot of focusing on legislation and started with the ordinances to change. The motivation is to change the way the plastic industry is accountable for their plastics. And I, I fell in love with it. And in the course of it, I uh, ran into surf rider, which surf and protect our local beaches, make sure that they're accessible and available for us forever and for always. And they actually have an entire toolkit and that's one of their biggest platforms. And they, because they're a national foundation as opposed to a lower local organization, I just had a lot more resources and support to push the issue a lot further than I could have with just a little group of retirees. And so what role exactly did you play in getting the plastic bag ban implemented? Uh, one of the biggest things that we did is we look, so I live in Horry County, which is one of the, uh, in South Carolina, which is one of the largest counties in the state. And it's really difficult because uh, there's local townships within, so there's North Myrtle Beach and there's the town of Surfside, and there's certain things that happen where not always the right hand knows what the left hand's doing. We all know to some effect that plastic pollution is an issue, but we don't know how big it is, and one of the biggest parts that I played in that was providing education to our council members to realize that this is a problem, that we need to do something in regards to protect it. 
And did you have any prior experience or involvement with your local government before this? Not at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, I grew up in D.C. A lot of my classmates were congressmen's children and senators' children, state representatives' children. It was something I was always around, and I never saw the political process being one that as as uh, formal or stringent as it is here in South Carolina. Uh, you know, education to our our senators and legislation was a matter of a. I mean, you were you were around these people all the time. It was a matter of an informal conversation. If we were talking about it, it got to the people in charge, and it and it's really it's a different dynamic here in South Carolina. I mean, our mayor lives in our, it's a two-mile town. It's not very large. Our mayor lives here, but is not always connected to what's really going on on a daily basis. So it was, it was different. And did you write the actual ban yourself, or did you have legal help? Uh, that's where things got tricky. There's a great organization in the area called the Carolina Coastal Conservation League. Coastal Carolina? Well, it's the Triple CL. It's an amazing organization. They put a lot of effort into working with some of the other lo localities in Folly Beach and Isle of Palms. They were uh, part of the advisory council for uh, Buford County, which is one of the first count entire counties in the state to pass a single-use plastic ban. And they worked, they had, in, they had lawyers out of Tulane and, and all over the place help write these ordinances. However, when it came to the the ordinance that I was involved in in the town of Surfside, it, it got really frustrating because in the process of providing education to the council member that sponsored the ordinance, we gave her all the resources, but she didn't involve us in the writing. So she edited it herself, she, a smart lady, and the edits were fine, but there were subsections. So like, you know, it would be section, section two, would say this, and then it would be subsection A, B, and C. Well, down in subsection J would be relating to a part that she edited out. And so we don't know what that, if you don't know what the original is, then you don't understand what the subsections are relating to. And it created a lot of confusion in the final public, published ordinance. And, it, and it's, you know, it's been a year now, and we're still trying to educate our council about what exactly it means. And uh, some of the language got a little tricky. We've it's it's cleared up in a lot of the other counties. There's no confusion, only in this one, unfortunately. But the the best part of it is that the people are the ones that are are the you know you invest in these programs with your consumer dollars. People don't want it, so it doesn't matter what the subsections are or the loopholes that are available. If we refuse to accept it then there's no issue in what the language says. And I was reading the newspaper articles about the ban in Surfside, and I saw that there was one city official who voted against the ban. Why was that? As a matter of fact, that councilman in particular owns several small businesses, some within the town, some on the outside of town. And I think that was his biggest concern. Uh, he owns a business in town that's a small, his, it's him and a partner own that business. And then he owns a franchise for a larger corporation. I think his concern was the effect of uh, not, not specifying or providing an alternative solution. So we did inform in terms of education, provide alternatives, you know, much like Sam's and Costco, you can offer recycled or up upcycled, however you'd want to do it, 
cardboard boxes or alternative packaging. And then I made a big point when I went to address council to let them know that reusable bags, especially with your logo and your brand, build uh, a loyalty, brand loyalty that you can't really pay for. One of the biggest things at the time was Publix grocery store had moved into the area just outside of our town, but close enough. And their big uh, promotion for when they opened was handing out reusable plastic, reusable, uh, the cloth bags. Well, my, my neighbor, who also happens to be a councilman, got one of those bags, and he's so excited to get one and be a part of that program that he drives outside of the two-mile town. It's not that far, but he will drive outside of town to participate. I mean, he doesn't get anything with the bag. It doesn't even come with a discount or uh, anything attached to it other than it says Publix on it, and he likes to be part of that. There's it, It's unpaid dollars. That you you can't you know you can't pay for that kind of loyalty. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's just another type of advertising is is a way to look at it. I mean, you you reap all the benefits, and I don't know why they wouldn't want to invest in something like that. And besides that, city um, council official, did the ban face any other major opposition? Uh, there was some concern. So in the area, and last year around the time that this came out. Uh, it really pushed headway in March. We passed it in January, but they were talking about it back in December. Uh, the state of Cal- South Carolina is through the Senate, or I think last year was through the House of Representatives, but we're pushing a, a proposed bill to ban local legislation from creating ban ordinances. So we call it the ban on bans. Uh, it started last year and it's come back this year. Uh, this year it's through the Senate. It's S three seventy nine, I do believe. <laughs> I, I can I'll look it up and add it into the show notes for anybody who's interested. Yeah, oh, we we recently went up and it, everybody already knows about it. And as opposed to last year, yeah, it was through the House of Representatives HR three five two nine. So last year it came up, and the biggest thing is for the state to instill a ban of any kind, whether it be a ban on bans or a ban in and of itself, is an invasion of home rule, and especially here in the South Carolina where we don't like anybody to tell us what to do, much less government. Uh, that really resonated with our local legislators to not not uh, allow such thing to happen, to, to oppose it and to be vocal in their opposition. And we were really lucky to have that. Um, hopefully we get that this year. It's still, uh, it's, it's still a fight that needs to be fought. So as opposed to local opposition, no, not really. But statewide, yes, we did. And as a matter of fact, that... That proposed Senate bill that is now back is getting paid for by the plastic industry lobbyists. You know, they're not paying into the local legislation. They're paying into the state and into the government, into the federal government. And that's, you know, those are, those are, that's big money that uh, we can't compete with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Does it look like this ban on bans is going to pass in the state? Um, You know, last year when we fought it, it was a, it was a bloody fight right up until the end. And I have a feeling that this, as of right now, we have no idea it's going to be the same thing. I mean, we're all rolling up our sleeves and we are ready for a fight. And if that does end up getting passed through the state, is that going to like retroactively apply to the local legislation? Yes. Last year when it came forward, we got really lucky because it came up in March, but it was retroactive to June, January 30th, 31st. And we in the town of Surfside passed it on January 28th. So we were going to yeah, effectively be the last township within the state that was able to pass it. 
This new one that's come up through the Senate is retroactive to all. So Isle of Palms, Folly Beach, there's a total of 13 municipalities that have passed bag ban ordinances or some form of single-use plastic and plastic waste reduction ordinances, all of which will be negated by the state law. And so just to be clear, um, in Surfside Beach, what types of plastic bags are banned and what are the exceptions to the ban? So we targeted specifically, like I said, there's, I'm going to back up to one second, there's 13 total municipalities that have put in some sort of plastic, reduce, plastic waste reduction ordinance. And Mount Pleasant is about uh, less than an hour south of us, I'd say a good 45 minutes was the first one to do a comprehensive plan relating to all single-use single disposable plastics, what we call auxiliary containers, so relating mostly to to-go to, to containers, especially in, in terms of food service and or grocery, grocery stores and restaurants primarily. So to-go cups, to-go containers, food containers, um, any kind of single-use plastic utensils, straws, they did it for plastic and styrofoam. Uh, they came out with that right at the time that we were doing the one in Surfside. And the biggest problem that we ran into, and it, and it sounds silly, but it's uh, legitimate in terms, I mean, we had a two-page ordinance and we have trouble with having our council coming together and understanding all of it. Theirs was a two-and-a-half-inch two and thick document with delayed uh, enactment dates. So while it is all those items, you know, within 2019, these items are going to be progressively taken out. And then by 2020, I think the last date's somewhere in 2025, so that by 2025, there will no longer be any single-use plastics or styrofoam within Mount Pleasant. I could, we tried so hard, could not get the town of Surfside to, to swallow such a big pill. And it's understandable. There's still certain things that, you know, we're learning. This is all part of a learning process, and that's everybody wants to be part of an innovator and try something new, but nobody wants to look dumb when it doesn't work. So we really had to figure out how to put it into a, a bite-size package. So we targeted specifically on retail bags, which are the t they're referred to as T-shirt bags, the real thin plastic grocery bags, uh, targeted specifically on that at point of sale. So at the time that you are at the register and you exchange money for goods, those items can no longer be put in a single-use plastic bag. The confusion came that there are other thin plastic bags that are provided. So dog poop on the beach, because we're a coastal town, um, or even in the dog park. But the poop bags is one. Trash bags. You know, if I can't put my trash bags in plastic, what am I supposed to put it in? And trying to under trying to explain to people that things that go into our landfill are different from things that get recycled. Things that go into landfill do need to go into a trash bag for sanitation purposes. That as as recommended and, and encouraged by our solid waste authority. So how do you tell them that one plastic bag is good, but another plastic bag is bad? And then, you know, if I don't get these plastic grocery bags, what am I supposed to pick up dog poop with? You know, that sounds like a personal problem. You can use a paper bag. You know, I have a pooper scooper, and I put it into a bucket. And at the end, I put it into a trash bag so that it, way it stays sanitary. That level of thought, it was just a real struggle providing that kind of education. Another one is produce bags inside the grocery store. It's not provided at a point of sale. Uh, another one is dry cleaner bags. 
is that considered point of sale. Uh, it's not really in, in that you're not taking these items and putting them in the bag to hand to somebody. So that's where the subsections, you know, were relating to produce bags, but that wasn't what was written in the original sub in, in the original section of the ordinance. And I read in a news article that overall about 70% of small business owners in Surfside supported the idea of the plastic bag ban. And so I'd reckon that a majority of the citizens would have been open to it as well. But with the ban having now been in place since June of 2018, how have you seen businesses and citizens reacting slash adapting to it? Uh, it's really been a non-issue. There are the biggest thing that that we wanted to promote is that it's an educational gesture. We're not looking to go out and police people on plastic bags. That was never the intention. Our police department, even though it is a two-mile town, has much better things to do with their time. Um, I think, as a matter of fact, as the way the, the ordinance is written, it is actually the most highly punishable. But at the same time, if you look at the way things are written, if the police department decides to press charges on a business, it opens the opportunity for the business to sue the police department. So there is actually liability on both sides. It's not that we are taking advantage or targeting businesses that don't have the capability of standing up and fighting back. And that was never, you know, that's never the intent. We don't want to start that. You know, I don't, I don't want to go out and, and cuff business owners. And that was a big part of being part of Surfrider. If your small business is having a trouble adapting to it, let us know. We raised over $10,000 to pay into plastic reduction programs, and we have reusable bags to provide for you. So one of our local businesses, as a matter of fact, this weekend is having their two-year anniversary, and they know that they're going to have an influx of customers. So they reached out to us to ask us what they're going to do because they just don't have the amount of supplies to put on this you know, event that's a normal part of conducting business. Absolutely. We'll give you 200 bags, and you can run them for as long as you can run them. We're not, we can't sustain your business, but we actually want, we absolutely want to do what it takes to help you sustain your business and to be part of our local community. You know, I think most of the people just don't want to take the time to ask. We were offered, you know, one of our local, as a matter of fact, they're located right across the street from the town hall, which just adds insult to injury, is one of our biggest opponents that just don't like the idea of, of you know, a group of we call ourselves pirates, ragtag pirates coming in and telling them what they can do with their business. So we reached out to them and we, you know, we will set up in your parking lot for the afternoon and we will hand out bags that if you are concerned about people not having them, we will show up and, and shovel out these bags to as many people as need them. And the town did so too. If you came into town hall, you could get a free bag and I have a couple of them. They're actually really nice. But how do you get people to show up? And that was always the difficult thing. They've done really well. I mean, you figure it out. If you buy two things and you have two hands, I trust you You can you can make it. If you tied your own shoes, you can figure out how to get to your car with two items. And that's almost that's 80% of what you buy is only less than six items. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. You'll notice, if you start noticing how much stuff you carry out, you really don't buy that many things at one time. Oh, yeah, it's true. I go without a bag all the time. I'll just purposely just carry it in my arms without a problem. Right. It also prevents you from impulse buying. It probably isn't in the best interest of business, but for for uh, for those of us that are zero waste conscious, that it actually works in your favor. And so you mentioned that the town provided free reusable bags at the town hall. Was there any other sort of education, if any, that the city government provided to citizens as the ban was being put into place? 
So as far as the town in education, no. But they also wrote it into the ordinance that any town-sponsored event would not provide the bags, which was a huge, which was a huge step because they do quite a few events. So including this weekend as a barbecue festival, very popular. I know we're going to see a lot of styrofoam. That's the cost of doing business, but we won't be seeing plastic bags. Uh, that was one of the biggest reasons why Surfrider was involved in this in this ordinance. You know, we did our best to to educate the council, but a little a little knowledge can go both ways. So we really wanted to make sure that your the councilmen that opposed came to us for every email that we presented him with education. He sent us back a link to misinformation. Uh, you know, there's just as much inf misinformation as there is peer peer reviewed scientific academic articles. And that's the big thing. If you don't have the right information, then you're sharing bad information. And that's what Surfrider is here to prevent. So we it's not their job to do it. We are the one that wanted them to pass it. We provided the education as opposed to making that part of the town. And they, they did a very good job. Julie Samples that sponsored it and Ron Ott and Tim Courtney, who were supportive of it, showed up to most of the stuff we came to. As a matter of fact, in the process, I invited Ron and Tim to come out to the landfill, and that morning I took a really bad fall and ended up in the hospital. I thought for sure that they were going to try to find a reason to get out of it, and they went anyway, and they loved it. The amount of information they got is something I can't, I can't shout at you. You have to go see it. I encourage everyone to go visit their landfill. It's like a car wreck. It's fascinating, and you don't want to look, but at the same time, you have to look because it's real, you know. You have to see it. You don't know what you're working with if you don't look at it. And for anyone else who's interested in getting plastic bags banned in their town, what advice would you have for any or all parts of the process? I think that's the hardest part. You know, one of our biggest fights, especially towards the state, the state ban, is that local municipalities need to make decisions for local issues. We're a coastal town, and this is a coastal issue. And our, our capital is three and a half hours inland. So when we went to go talk to our senators, you know, we were having to drive three and a half hours. So I'll tell you what, by the time we get there, we're mad as hell. And we're going to tell you about it. And it, and I have to drive three hours every single time for you to try to understand what we're dealing with. I, the, as much as you want to give facts and figures, I can tell you all, I, I have learned volumes. I, I can't express how much, how important it is for you to visit your local landfill. It's invaluable information. That's, those facts and figures are shocking. But if you don't go see it, they want to know about the impact. And the impact is on you and your quality of life as a, as a community member. You know, I, I can tell you numbers, but these numbers don't mean anything. You know, it's sort of the, the Aaron Brockovich. I can tell you all about hexapromium 6, so that doesn't mean anything. But if I tell you about little girls with cancer, all of a sudden you listen a little bit more. And, it, and we're seeing that with plastics. We're seeing it with endocrine disruptors and, and the effect on children. And as a matter of fact, this year, the Chirping Bird Society has taken that platform. And we've gotten a pediatrician on board to speak about endocrine disruptors and the effects of plastics on children and toys, toys, bottles. You know, it's not just BPA. We identified BPA as, as an offender, but there, there's over 10,000 different chemicals that make up plastics. 
and each company has a different recipe, each recipe is different, and we don't know what's going on with that. And that's scary. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. My last question for you is what is your number one tip for living an eco-friendly lifestyle? Oh my, that is a good one. You know, I got really, I really got the luck of the draw. Cause like I said, my mother's worked for the EPA for 36 years. I, you know, recycling, reducing, reusing is a no brainer. I, somewhere along the line, I, in part of learning sustainability, started learning about closed loop economy and what it, what it takes to not create waste. And it was sort of an eye opener, especially with these plastic bags. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And uh, again, I can't stress enough to go check out your solid waste authority. Look at it. Look at it. You know, one of the biggest things when we talk about as zero wasters, you know, trash in the jar, that trash inventory is invaluable. You have to look at it. I mean, I'm not perfect. I, I do much more than a mason jar in five years. But knowing that you have that impact and that you have control over your impact is is a power that nobody can take away from you. One that, that you can control and and you can build upon. I think that's the greatest thing. There's not a lot of things these days that we have autonomy over. So for your footprint to be part of that, I'd, you know, why not do it, get in there. And that's a wrap. I'll be back next week with Dr. Samuel Millam to discuss the effects of electromagnetic waves on animals, the human body and the environment. If you find value in the Hippie Haven podcast, please share it with someone you know who'd be interested. You can leave a review on iTunes or whichever podcast app you're using, and please consider buying me a virtual cup of coffee to keep me going. Each episode takes around six hours to create, and episodes cost about $50 each out of my own pocket. These costs include file hosting, editing, transcription for people who need or prefer visual content, and my own time of researching, drafting, recording, proofing, and promoting. You can visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash Cali, that's C-A-L-L-E-E, to support the work I'm doing with a $4 cup of coffee. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart for spending this time with me, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.